0: in front.
1: Oh, those oh, in
2: Almost New Year, listeners. Welcome to Old Fogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have,
3: Kia, Fahad, Eric,
2: Ruth, and me, Shelley. On this very special episode, we're discussing my pick: A Dark Winter Tale, The Shining and i'm first going to give a little synopsis of it and then i'm going to go first and give my thoughts unless you all wanted me to go in a different order You're, you can go that's cool. and then i will call on each one of my fogies to give their takes <laughs> so let's get started so the shining is a movie based off of um a book by Stephen King, obviously called *The Shining*, and I had a dumb moment. I knew duh, that Stanley uh, Kubrick was the um, director, but the I was watching this movie with Stuart and the opening scene comes on, and I said, "Oh, that that music sounds like *Clockwork Orange*." And he's like, "Yeah, duh, same director." I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So I um, would be will be interested to hear if any of you all have any thoughts about any similarities you saw in the directing style the music the set design mm-hmm. um so anyway this movie is about um a man named jack torrance and he's a teacher but he leaves his job teaching and i found this interesting i read this book i don't know if any of y'all read the book a long time ago, and in oh. the book, they talk about why he leaves his job, but in the movie, they didn't, uh, uh, they didn't give like the specific reason why he leaves his job. So in the book, he has like an angry um, outburst at one of his students and he's has got like fired basically. But anyway, in the movie, he leaves his job because he wants to write, um, he wants to write a novel and he decides that the best way to do this is to become the winter caretaker of a hotel called the overlook and he would bring his wife and his young son and while he's at the job interview for this caretaking job um, he finds out that a previous caretaker had murdered um, his wife and two daughters and left them in one of the rooms room 237. Um, but despite hearing this He still wants to be the caretaker. He sees this as a great opportunity to write his novel. Um, While he's at this interview, you kind of get to know um, his wife and son, who's really young, um, they're at home. And you learn that his son has an imaginary friend, Tony, and you learn that his son um, kind of has an event happen to him and he has like, a vision of bad things to come. Um, So fast forward, they go to the hotel, they're undertaking this job and it's kind of the last day where everyone's packing up that lives there, That I mean, that works there during the summer and you find out that one of the cooks um, has like an ability to communicate telepathically and so does Danny. So they're able to kind of communicate with each other that way. The day goes on, um, the staff leaves and the family's there to start their job caretaking. The movie goes from there. And I will tell you now what I think about this movie. I love it. I mean, how could you not? It's a very, um, I just love everything about it. I thought that, i love um i saw this movie a long time ago so i i really enjoy i've seen it it's been like ten, more than 10 years since the last time i saw it and i enjoyed watching it so much again jack nicholson is amazing he's terrifying you hate him from the beginning he's so mean to his wife you just i i didn't find anything good about the way he treated her even before he started sort of uh started going crazy <clears throat> Um, I found it terrifying and I kept thinking, they are making this little boy act, like this is so scary. Um, I, I was curious if he had ever talked about that, um, that actor, his name was Danny in real life as well. Um, and I thought that Shelley Duvall did awesome as his wife. Um, Stewart had told me that he had watched some documentary is it called room 237 anyone heard about that i've seen it yeah you saw it okay so he said that in that they were talking about how it could have been in uh wendy's mind like that was one theory that this whole movie took place um in her like from her perspective like it was all in her mind so i thought that was interesting i kept thinking about that while i was watching this I don't know if anyone else or i guess eric did you ever did you remember that and think about that when you watched it
4: i remember that documentary had a lot because there was that,
2: a lot like, yeah the, yeah that I mean, documentary
4: is literally about the fan base and how many conspiracy theories they have about this movie like they study every single second of footage and come up with the most insane ideas about stuff like the paintings hanging on the wall and the motifs and patterns you know so uh, i don't remember that particular one so i didn't okay. have it in mind when i was watching it but after the watching, I don't know, I, I don't see any of that, but I, I don't usually, I don't know. I, I often can't find myself agreeing with some of those conspiracy theories. I'm like, that seems like a stretch. I don't know how, how you watched sure. and got that idea, but did you feel that way? That it was no, possible? I didn't. Okay.
2: I didn't think. I. There was too, too much. I didn't think so. I mean, I, no. But
4: no. So I love fantasy I, movies, so I always prefer to take them at face value, that, that that these events were really happening to the people. I prefer that. And I actually did hear that there was um, there was an original ending scene to this movie where they have them, uh, like Danny waking up at the hospital, I think, or something like that. And they mm. say that, well, they never found Jack, but we assume he's dead, you know, because he was left out there. But um, but for various reasons because of what takes place in that scene, they cut it because they didn't want it to seem like um, you know, uh, I guess they wanted to leave things up for interpretation. I want to
2: get better that way, like ambiguous yeah. endings. I loved that. And then last thing, um, when they flash the picture at the end, I want to hear what everybody's thoughts are and like what that means. Um, my thoughts and then I read something online that kind of Maybe Kubrick said, I don't, that um, he was, so he's in the picture at the end on the wall. My yeah. take was that he was kind of reincarnated into um, kind of being drawn back to that hotel, meaning that he was in that hotel in 1921, then he was born into a different body and then was drawn yeah. back to that hotel at the end.
4: I have a similar theory, whenever it's appropriate to share.
2: So yeah, Eric, why don't you go first?
4: Okay, I do want to say, I think I I interrupted Fahad a moment ago. Did you want to say something,
1: Fahad?
3: Oh, uh, so I had not seen the documentary you all were referring to, um, but I think for movies like this, uh, Stephen King novels as well, but Kubrick films, there's so many things that are very deliberate so I can understand why the fan pays would be like analyzing every little bit because sure. there are instances, like I did read something like the number 42 is very prevalent throughout this entire movie. It's not something I ever picked up on, but apparently like the number of cars in the parking lot at the overlook when he gets there, there are 42 cars. Um, there's like something else with 42 on it. There's something else with 42 on it. The son is watching a movie called Something Something 42. The newscaster is talking about forty-two million dollars, something or another. Like that number is very prevalent throughout the movie. Uh, Let me just
4: blow your mind. There, there's a lot of conversation about duality in, in meaning in this movie, and mirrors are used every now and then. And if you look at the if you look at the number two thirty-seven in a mirror, and it becomes seven thirty-two. Seven minus three is 42.
1: <laughs>
3: hmm. uh, so yeah. So, so what I was getting at though is just from to your comment, Eric about the fans, you know, analyzing, picking apart every little bit. I feel like these are the kinds of movies where there's so many things that are done very deliberately that I I kind of expect that fans would do that because they're finding these things and it's really fun to, I'm not gonna sit and analyze and pick it apart myself. So it's nice to see these people doing it. But like, to your point though, there are probably some really wild theories out there that are just theories, but then there's other stuff that they find that it's like, oh, there's gotta be something more to that.
4: He's, he, D- Kubrick is definitely deliberate in, in some of his stuff, so which I think makes people read too much into everything else. But Tiki, did you have a hand up for something?
5: I wanted to add no. all, to the documentary uh, no. the alternate ending. No. I read about that too. And um, at
1: no. 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 the hospital, when he's
5: lying in the bed, Danny's playing in the um, somewhere in the hospital room or something. A man named Ullman? I can't remember who the character this oh, was. They well, was that's...
4: A- that's who it was, Ullman. Um, yeah. Oh, which one was he?
5: he? Was he the, the original owner of the Overlook, or? Oh no,
4: no! I think he's the guy who interviews him and, and then onboards him. I think that's.
5: Oh, it was interesting. They and, and um, this alternative ending, he hands Danny the ball that rolled into that's,
1: his. That's his what it boy. was.
5: And he uh, laughs. He, he, he does this evil, creepy laugh. Like, oh my God! Was he incarnated too? Is was he evil as well? Style, that got me thinking that ending. And then they said the ending went to the, the picture on the
4: wall. That was mm. uh, all, to add on to that, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead, yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I uh, it's been a little while since I've seen this too, but uh, I really enjoyed it. This movie has never scared me though. Just It just never has. I, I don't know, maybe I'm used to truly terrifying <laughs> films that, you know, the, the style that happens later or I just prefer lots of blood and guts and, you know, dark corridors and stuff. And, um, but, I, but I do, I have always loved the atmosphere that's created in this movie. It's very unique. And um, one of the things that accomplishes that is the fact that the, the hotel, the Overlook Hotel is basically another character in this movie. It never just feels like a place that they're living in. It's, it feels like it's actually alive the whole time and that's a really strange feeling. So as soon as they step in it, it feels like, I don't know, it's almost a transgression. And <laughs> and the longer they stay there, the more it, it can influence them. And they don't even know that it's around them. You know, there's like, they're not aware because it's just a building to them, but it's not just a building. And we know that cause we're watching
0: <clears throat> as
4: the audience. So um, i love that about it. And um, so, so I really like it. I, I have heard that hopefully I'm not wrong on this and I don't get trolled, but I think uh, Stephen Keane has never liked this adaptation. I think Mm -hmm. it's a, because it's a very different feeling to his, his, his book. Um, But that makes sense because Kubrick, you know, he, he he does what he wants. (laughs) He's not um, trying to faithfully adapt someone else's source material. He's trying to make his film. And um, so that's so full disclosure. I watched the shining last night. And so today before our call, I decided I'm going to rewatch Dr. Sleep because I always wanted to watch them in a row. And um, I think Dr. Sleep is, I liked it. Pahad and I saw it together, and I think we both agreed we really liked it when we came out of it. We thought this this was a good movie, but I always had some issues with, because the, the tone doesn't really line up exactly, right? Because it's a very different kind of movie and it's not being made by Stanley Kubrick. So to see it as a sequel is a little difficult, but seeing it back to back, I really like the, the through line of the story. And I think Dr. Sleep tries to clean up maybe some of the confusion that's created with how Kubrick chose to adapt the the novel originally. So they, they explain a little more about, um,
1: <clears throat> um,
4: they sort of lean into the theory that you just had, Shelley, about how the, the hotel is sort of drawing people back, souls that have been there before, but are now in new bodies possibly, because it, it wants to keep them. So it wants to bring them back so that it can kill them in the hotel so that they have to stay forever which is a little bit of American Horror Story, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and I think the hotel, um, I'd written down this whole theory because I, was, I tried my whole life to understand this movie too, and I think I'm finally getting a little closer, but this a theory that built on that about how not only does it want souls back that have stayed there before, but it especially wants those that shine. And those are probably the souls that are easier to subconsciously draw back to itself um, because they sense it. And like Jack Torrance says in the movie, that is the first, the second he stepped into the hotel, he felt like he'd been there before, like he belonged there. So he'd sort of been waiting his whole life to, to get to it. <laughs> and it was waiting for him. And so I, I, I like, that makes sense to me that you would see his uh, picture in the, um, in the uh, well, the picture, you'd see his face in the picture at the end. When I was a kid, I think I thought, that very was very confusing me i thought are they saying that he was absorbed by the hotel and then sent back in time and is now a permanent part of it and i was willing to accept that to a degree but it never sat right with me this guy's
2: exactly sorry to interrupt you but that is exactly what i remember thinking the last time i watched this but then i saw it this time and i'm like no he yeah you know he had been there before so
4: and there, there were things that i didn't really remember um that, that also work with this theory, which is that if you remember when he first, uh, I guess it's interviews for the job, the guy tells him about the previous caretaker, Charles Grady and what had happened. And, and then later when he's, uh, when he's seeing the party goers in the gold room, uh, the Butler spills on him and then they go to the, the bathroom to clean it off. And that Butler's name is Grady, but it's Delbert Grady and his face looks just like Charles Grady and, and Jack Torrance push, pushes him on it. He says, I, I know you're the caretaker. I saw your picture. I know your face. And the guy keeps saying, nope, I have, I'm, i I'm you're the caretaker, you always have been. And he says, I've always been here too. So I think Delbert was like the original version of that man. Charles Grady was probably the reincarnated soil who got drawn back as well. Maybe he also had The Shining. Um, and then he was killed so now he's permanently part of the hotel but I guess that's his original self and not uh, yeah which is interesting because in Doctor Sleep um, the bartender who was Lloyd uh, from the original movie is now Jack Torrance but he goes by Lloyd and he insists that he doesn't know who his son is he doesn't remember what he's talking about he's like I'm just the bartender I've always been the bartender and it's like Maybe that was his original role or something, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. But anyway, so I'm gonna stop there for now. I'm sure we have a lot more to talk about, but I'm gonna let someone else take it next.
2: Um, Takia, why don't you go next? But first I wanna say, cause you were saying it doesn't this movie didn't scare you. Yeah. And it didn't scare me like movies have scared me. I guess the atmosphere, the thought of being somewhere for that many months without being able to escape, that, like, makes me feel panicky inside. So it's interesting that just that, like, the isolation or the environment is what (laughs) scares me about this. Not necessarily I didn't watch the movie feeling frightened, if that makes sense. Yeah,
3: just you're isolated and stuck there for five months. It's more like a low-level, like, constant dread throughout
4: the watch. Okay. I mean, that's a different kind of horror, I guess.
3: (laughs) Controversial statement of the night. And people were freaking out of quarantining for 2 weeks back when covid first started. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was quote unquote quarantining him and his family for 5 months and yeah. we we're freaking
1: out without that, being without able to even
2: go outside with the amount yeah. of snow and just like being I guess being stuck
1: Yeah. Not I was thinking
3: that when they were talking about 5 months you're going to be isolated I was like wow and here people are just going crazy 2 weeks inside. I so. think I'd enjoy it. <laughs> I would take I, the caretaker's job. Well, I, I was thinking about it, too, in terms of would I be okay with that? And I thought to myself, I need to have certain things. You know, I would need to have internet. It's streaming, you know, so I need to be able to watch a lot of stuff and get a lot of shows out of the way. Yeah. I need, access to like, good food. Everything was frozen or, you know, in boxes and stuff. So that's the thing. I was like, how... that meat, though. I know, but it's not all, like, fresh, which is fine. It was frozen and all, but, like what if you run out of the thing you like yeah oh.
4: like
3: I they think... didn't i don't think they asked them what you guys prefer to eat what kind of meals will you want like i don't need rats. Coke there for me you know or pork roast. america
4: <laughs> fahad we'd have to be careful of the overlook because i think we shine a little bit especially together
3: uh, the links <laughs>
4: yeah so you know what?
5: Wouldn't it be playing on your mind, though, if you are staying there? That was actually one of my things, my topics of
3: discussion after I talk about how I like the movie. I'm well, sorry. being oh. in a place, so sorry, Etiquette. Um, I think it would play with your mind, being there or even with another person or two there for five months in that huge place. Like, Shelley, to your point of it being kind of the scary part being the isolation, I think the other part of it is the scary part is being isolated in such a big building, a big place, where you never know what else could actually be there or what and else what, is
1: actually and, going
5: on. And, and that's the thing, like, what if it's rumored to be haunted? Like,
3: yeah, nobody's there still, to hear you scream. Would
5: you, do, would you still do the job if it's rumored to be haunted? Like, like you could see something, you could not see something. You and you there's no know? way
4: out. Yeah, yeah.
5: So, yeah. Anyway, I think-
4: I'd, I'd probably like, get very terrified and I'd freak myself out, but I think I'd still do it because I'd have to. like, Be compelled to find out, you know?
3: Oh, but my other requirement would be um, I, I know they explained, oh, and the guests or the workers' quarters are the only places that's going to be heated during the five months or whatever, where, and all I'm like, no, 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 you turn on the penthouse suite or whatever, the presidential suite, make sure that's what's got the heat, that's where I'm staying for <laughs> the next
1: five months. <laughs> like, and you have to, to cook that, that food apartment.
2: in that gigantic kitchen and then push the little cart back to your
4: room. Yeah, and it's cold yeah, you know, by the time you get it. On um,
2: my yeah. own. <laughs> yeah. All right, also, Tiki,
3: yeah, I want Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I'd also be kind of scared having such a young son going out on his own in that big hotel. Like, it's big. He could get lost or get hurt, and you have no idea. Yeah. Yep.
2: And then what do you do if he does get hurt? You can't go anywhere. You can't.
3: Yeah, you can't get to a hospital. I guess you can call the authorities, and if it's not, I mean, I guess they could helicopter to you.
4: Were they invented
5: back then? No I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: all right, okay. Ms. Takia,
2: I want to hear what you have to say.
5: I've been muting a lot tonight because he's making a lot of noise. box Happy, happy noise. But all right, anyway. Um, uh, all right. Um, yeah, I. Well, one thing I, I, I've seen, I've seen this. I don't think I actually watched the whole movie um, okay. all together. I, I over the years, I start in the middle near the beginning then get to the end or see the end was, it was a treat to see it all to, to from the um beginning to the end uh again like you guys were discussing earlier i was um imagining myself in that big place with all those things happening or could not be happening so that that played in my mind as well i'm sorry of oh, course it's size now to be out of stories
1: so, sorry
5: guys all right um i love the 1970s decor i was reading something in an article come on, I was reading some of the art and uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that they he purposely made each area of the hotel a, a different design. So That's why he saw the bathroom looking like this, like retro-looking, um, awesome power-looking thing. You know, bold,
4: a bold
1: Yeah,
5: bold, bold, yeah, bold colors. And then um, I actually love the the um, the ghost woman in the, in the bathrooms. Um, uh, her bedroom that was actually kind of cool, looking, even though she's she was haunting it. But yeah, um, all of her was,
4: rooms in the 237, uh, like yeah, they were all like really gorgeously decor- decorated, right?
5: Yeah, and then but then you have like the overlook, like the, the main area, like in the um the foyer, where Jack was typing and all, and that had, kind of had a more like uh, oh, I don't know how to explain it, like a, a lodge feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still those elegance, but still kind of a, a kind of a, not as bold colored. More like music color, like fall color, colored. Um, yeah. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's yeah. more like forest there. So anyway, that, that was cool too. Um, as, as an artist, I included in on that. And then um, I like this now, and, and as far as the movie, how the movie moved, I like the slow build up. Like, like you said, Eric, I, I guess I'm just watching all these movies with all these, you know, jump scares and everything. But yeah. this is one of my favorite ones with a slow now, I wouldn't say slow, but like the build-up was like you, you things were just popping out at you at every minute. Something would happen here. And each time something happened, it got more creepier and creepier. And made you kinda of made your skin crawl a little bit in a fun way. So that's what I liked about it as well. Um I like I love Jack Nicholson. I, I think he was a great um he did great with his this looking looking crazy, looking unhinged, like a madman. I mean, that he has the face for it. The, the motion, the body motions, everything. I love that. Um, Shelly Duvall I liked her as a, as a um, burned and troubled housewife. Um, I was reading somewhere that they actually... Uh, Stephen King did not like the pick for Jack Nicholson because they wanted someone that... St- Jack Nicholson already looks crazy <laughs> from beginning to end. And they wanted someone that had a more, like, calmer, calmer look. Like um, Harrison Ford was considered where you're, he, the, the man looks normal, but then he... he his face and actions slowly go into madness. So you wanted the-, I, the
4: feel like, or- I feel like Harrison Ford did, kind of did that in What Lies Beneath.
5: Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah.
4: He sort of transforms so, over the course of it. You want to like him when you first see him because everyone loves Harrison Ford. But by the end of that movie, you're like, ooh, he's not that's, good.
5: <laughs> and that's, Eric, that's what Stephen King wants. So, so, but Jack Nicholson, he, he just kind of, oh, he looked, there's a cool word I heard, man, manical, maniacal. Maniacal.
4: maniacal.
5: Yeah, throughout the, throughout the, even from the beginning, he kind of had this, this look of madness. So anyway, um, I think it worked. I mean, I, I liked it because you can see, to me, it looked like a, I could see the recovering alcoholic in him. That
1: yeah,
5: um, and you know, burning with other problems, as you mentioned, it with the you know being asked to leave the school and all. So anyway. Um, and who,
2: he had that incident with his child. Yeah, like so he already had anger problems.
5: Yeah, I, I, I think he did that with the alcohol one night. He was drunk and he pulled his arm cause he made yeah. he was mad and he, he threw it. thing. Yeah,
4: yeah. And, and I do. It, think, I do think that's good that um that we know, like, because then we know as the audience, like, he didn't walk into that hotel totally right to begin with. So yes, I hope that hotel like, was the last place he should be. <laughs>
5: Yeah, But that's yeah. that, that discussion too Would you want someone that looks more normal Like, um, I don't know maybe Liam, ne- no I, I think like an actor has a normal, Karen Spacey look, Looking normal, like kind of Subdued or whatever, and then going into madness Or do you do you Think it worked with Jack Wilson So I guess okay. now, I'll talk about that
4: later Do but, you um, mean normal, or do you mean like a nice guy Who then becomes not, not nice guy Yes, yes So like yeah, somebody I mean, with a, that sort I mean, of nice fatherly face Who yes. then becomes like not fatherly
5: yes and that was Stephen king's um issue
2: with it but yeah it worked well for me i i think. thought i thought it was i don't think that it should have been enough ni- he wasn't a nice guy to even start with
1: yeah because oh, of
2: was- the you know he yeah. wasn't nice to his wife he
4: said no. he,
2: he treated her terribly
4: yeah to begin with. And, and they never put like a they never like really um put a fine point on it but i think you could tell from the very beginning that she was a little bit afraid and fragile. Yeah,
5: yeah, fragile. And, and I'm glad. Good word. I was trying to figure a word out to describe as well. Fragile is a great word. I'm gonna write that down.
1: Yeah. Um,
5: one more thing I want to note. They had uh, looked at uh Robin Williams and um, uh, who's the other person. I mentioned this for a reason. um They considered Robin Williams after his after his acting work and many to be too psychotic for the role. They didn't want someone that to looked too crazy. You know, I thought Jeff looks crazy from the start. So that's what Robin Williams. And then Interesting. Um, someone,
2: there's another guy. Oh, he's not angry guy, enough. Robin, I, I don't get anger from Robin. Yeah. Well,
5: apparently mm-hmm. he's 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 so he was so hyper and all over the place. And he could you know, I think that's what he, I don't know. It's all psychotic. Because, psychotic.
4: because psychotic. Jack Jack Torrance, as played well on the script, Jack Torrance has some funny parts. It's but not, when, it, when it comes out of Jack Nicholson's mouth, it's yeah. uh it's scary and dangerous. Scary. Yeah. And I think yeah, if Robin yeah. Williams did those same lines, it would just be maybe funny, like actually funny. <laughs>
5: yeah. <laughs> That's why I was surprised they said he would, he would he appear too psychotic. I'm like, how have you seen him with Robin Williams? But I don't know. Yeah. And there's another actor they wanted, but that he was too not psychotic. Oh, um, oh what's his name? Taxi Driver? Robert De Niro. Yes.
1: <clears throat> he might go in
5: Taxi Driver, but they didn't feel like his performance would... would, would um, Show a
1: madman
5: and the shinies. That was the other person they looked at. So, sorry for my long, yeah. No, that's Uh, interesting. I was thinking a lot about this this movie. I I think it's one of my favorite, realizing it's like one of my favorite top 20 movies of
4: all time. You've read a lot of Stephen King. Have you not read this book?
5: I'm going to now. I've read um, Dreamscapes and um, it, but I'm gonna pick up this book right away.
4: (laughs) I've only read I've only read Salem's Lot and a few short stories.
5: Ooh, you
2: should read their the books are always better. Well, except for this one, I always hear, Not this one. The books are always better than the movie. They don't always translate to movies really well. Yeah, yeah. Except for this this one. It's Which just I, I think that he made the changes that made it a good movie.
4: The the it's, issue is uh, that books Cooper. are so long, it's it's like a commitment, you know, it's like two yeah, books here. in one and I'm like, uh, I just want to read one book.
5: I think mean, it's time been, for one book. <laughs> It only depends on the person too, because some, some people will will read for hours on end. Other people might be like, you're busy, you can pick it up pick it up every maybe for an hour, then not pick it up another two days or something like that. So, yeah.
4: I it's need cool. to keep with it, so it's like a yeah. it's a commitment.
5: And then I'm um, still going on. I have two other things I will to mention. Um, in, in a book, this is, I read about this as well. Um, they, the 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 hedge hedge animals in the um the maze, they actually come to life, but because of a small budget, they didn't have them come to life in the movie. And
4: um, And I
2: think that maze was scary scary on its own. Just the thought of in the cold, in the dark, being in that maze. Yeah. And and Danny was so smart to um, follow his footprints back. He knew how to get out of there.
3: But he said, give yourself a good hour to get through it. (laughs) And that's if but, you're not panicking.
4: But lucky, Wendy and Danny had already done the maze once, but Jack didn't because Jack wasn't going outside and he was slowly going mad. So so Danny already sort of knew the maze, which was good. It was smart to run in there because his dad wasn't going to be able to know what was going on. He's too Jack out of it,
0: you know? Jack could have been a dull, was being a dull boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to say about- was never dull. <laughs> <laughs>
5: me say about Wendy and her whole role because some people did it, it's like too misogynic and, and or was she just, you know, they wanted, they actually wanted like a, a diff, they, me, I think was, someone mentioned Jessica Lange for her character because apparently in a book, Wendy is more uh feisty and outgoing and um, blonde, pretty blonde and they made show the ball with like a kind bur- of a burdened fragile, emotional state. That's actually what they wanted, and they liked Shelley's performance because of that. So that's, she, that's she looks awesome.
1: like a
4: battered wife. Yeah, and I yeah. thought
2: she was adorable.
5: Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was like the, the way in the, if you read the book in the book she's like a, a pretty blonde and like mm-hmm. you know a little more I guess spicy and bouncy and whatever. They, they didn't. It, so anyway, yeah, that's I read that as well.
3: well <laughs> I kind of like life. that they made those changes, you know, with her character and even with Jack being kind of already a bit. Mm-hmm. Interest to begin with because those are people that are i think even more susceptible to the horrors of this hotel and <laughs> but i
5: agree with i like that
3: yeah, yeah. So I, I like that because it plays better with those people yeah. um and you know the reactions are more real whereas if it was like a feisty yeah. person it would take yeah. a lot for them to be broken down Shelley yeah. Duval's
4: fear, um, especially in like the bathroom scene, is, is yeah, that's, it really affects you. She is literally, she is really terrified. And it didn't, I mean, it may not have taken as much for her to get there, but it's, it's very real, you know. Yeah.
5: But she did do, known for doing a lot of takes with his movies. So she, so he was uh, like mean to her on purpose because he wanted to bring out the, the worst of, the worst emotional, fragile, scared state that he could bring out. So he, so for weeks on end, she 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 had to cry, and he always takes her to crying so much that she ran out of tears, and then had to drink balls of water stay hydrated. So I read about that My too. And she, and she said that this was the most grueling movie of her career because it was, was kind of because he treated because she was supposed to be treated badly in order to bring that out of her. She said, and she admitted that 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 helped bring her the character out full and, force.
1: So, but
4: yeah. some actors would say. I don't need the director to abuse me. I'm a, yeah. If I'm an actor, I can give you the performance you want if you can just explain yeah. what you want, because <laughs> because uh, then it's not as much of a performance if you're literally actually scared. And
5: <laughs> yeah, and maybe This is 19, 19, oh, This movie is nineteen eighty when I was born, so maybe you know they do things differently now versus back then, where you know. Oh yeah, they, it's. I
4: mean, um, cracked, they're cracking down now on directors yeah. who behave that way. Yeah. Uh, But it's still a debate. Like, um, is that how you get? I mean, some of the most amazing works we we have in art come from that kind of personality that's very difficult and abusive. So the debate is, can you get that kind of art out Mm -hmm. of just, you know, kindness and hard work? Or do you (laughs) you need that sort of genius, that um, abusive genius
3: to do it? So you guys know what's weird, Hmm. Um, Takiya? You mentioned that Robin Williams was in consideration for The Shining, but he didn't get it. If he did, he would have been starring opposite Shelley Duvall, who that exact same year he had starred opposite Shelley Duvall in Popeye. Popeye, yeah, remember that? They were both in 1980 for Shelley Duvall, so they could have, unless. If he was doing The Shining, maybe he wouldn't have signed up for Popeye, and maybe instead <laughs> Jack Nicholson would have gotten it. Who knows?
2: Yeah. Uh, was she olive oil?
3: She was yeah. olive
2: oil. Oh my I gosh, cannot I cannot that. think of a more
5: perfect olive
2: right? oil.
4: She <laughs> was born for that, right?
5: Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that they based it off as Morgan Mendy. That's like a sitcom. How you get psychotic, too psychotic of Morgan Mendy? I mean, I don't, I would have thought they looked like at some of his other movies to see, and determine that,
3: you know? I, I don't know if they were thinking, they might not have thought psychotic, they might have thought more manic or like, um, a little too over the top. I
2: think manic,
3: yeah. Yeah.
4: Because yeah. um, he wasn't a film star, I mean, Mork & Mindy was like his first big job, and it was a spin-off from Happy Days, and so... Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: By the time this movie, he was just starting his career. Yeah. 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 Um,
5: Oh, I have yeah. so many things to say, I, especially hmm. the part, this little racial element too that I wanted to address, I, was, I, I kind of forgot about that. I don't even remember that part. I, I, I did too,
4: it. I know what you're talking oh, about. And uh, I have a feeling whatever version I saw may have cut it out for television because I do not remember uh, <laughs> that.
5: <laughs> so we'll talk about it later because so I will go on um, because it was interesting, the, the, the racial, what was going on back then in the, the, the 1980s? I mean, that's what so anything was going on, but but, the way where it was placed in 1921, the setting of 1921, like, was that you know, what's oh, I was
2: well right, right. Sure. on yeah. yeah, so let me go to pause.
3: I'll keep on going. <laughs> Alright, Fahad, let's hear. Um, I mean you guys covered a lot already <laughs> and I, I did an agreement and added a little bit there, so I don't know how much more I have to say, except I mean, I really enjoyed the movie, um, you know, needless to say, but, uh, um, I wanted to add on to something Eric said earlier about Doctor Sleep. Um, I... Like Eric mentioned, I watched it. We watched it together. I really, and when I watched it, I really enjoyed the first three quarters of the movie. I felt the last quarter of the movie where they make it back to the Overlook Hotel felt very different than the first three quarters. And to me, it felt like they were forcing you too much to be like, oh yeah, this is the Shining sequel. They're like, look at this. And now look at this. Look at these twins. Look at this carpet. Look at this blood. (laughs) and i felt like i was just being inundated with shining references um so that kind of took me out of watching dr sleep back then um eric i did have the same thought as you to watch dr sleep again like soon after watching the shining um i just couldn't find it on any streaming sites um i have a feeling i know where you ended up watching it um and that's probably where i'll end up going as well but um i I'm, i'm hoping that watching it so soon after the shining Rather than feeling annoyed with how much they pushed the Shining references at the end, I might hopefully appreciate it more. I, um, I did. Yeah. <clears> but except do you remember
4: one, that like- there was one moment, um, and I'll be curious if you, um, after you watch it, if you feel that it's the same moment, but there was one moment in the last part of Dr. Sleep where I did think, oh, this didn't need to be in there. That's just for, you know gratification for you know fan gratification or something um, but the rest of it I felt much more like it connected very well and it was a, a perfect resolution to the, the full story
3: yeah and I can I can see feeling that way after because I hadn't watched Shining in a long time so going in to watch Dr. Sleep I was like okay it's just because it was so focused funny and funnily enough right Dr. Sleep was so focused on the actual Shining Whereas The Shining wasn't focused as much on The Shining, The Shine, what that actually means. There are other people out there other than these. Like, Dr. Sleep really goes in on that, right? Because that's the whole point of it. Um, so I do find that funny. But I think I mean, I'm interested in how I'll feel about Dr. Sleep after watching it again. Um, so going back to, I think, Shelley, your note about this being a Kubrick film, did we feel some of the same ways that we felt as we were watching Clockwork Orange? Um, one of the things I remember vividly about Clockwork Orange was just the opening credits where it was like that bright or that orange color it was just a sense of weirdness like you're feeling weird already going into this movie the shining the sounds that they used in the very beginning opening part were just so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it just gave you the sense of unease and dread as it's like opening and it's winding through the roads and going like the The opening sequence was gorgeous, by the way. The helicopter shot that they got of all... I'm I'm like, how did they do that? Because nowadays they use drones and stuff, but like they used a legit helicopter to go and get that kind of shot. By the way, pay attention when you watch Dr. Sleep, because they
4: they repeat those shots. Oh, I remember that
3: when I was watching The Shining. I was like, I remember that from Dr. Sleep when they were going back to the Overlook Hotel, because that's where the start of My Annoyance happened. Like, oh, they're really pushing The Shining. Um, when you said sounds, do you mean like the uh, the boom, boom, boom? That, or that part, and then there was just some weird sounds around it, but it was the notes and the instrument that they use and stuff yeah. just give you the sense of unease.
4: But by the way, that is a very famous piece of music that people, many composers have sampled in their own work, including Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkind in this movie. Um, over the years, and it goes back like hundreds of years, and it's it's actually uh, it's I think it started as a Gre- Gre- uh, Gregorian chant that mm. is now used in I think uh, maybe Shelley remembers, but Catholic uh, the Mass of the Dead. So um, it's it's played during that like somber occasion. Okay. So it's pretty well known, and and so it's I think it's yeah, it's meant to have that feeling of like doom.
3: Yeah. So I mean Kubrick, I think, does a good job of setting the emotion that you're supposed to feel at the very beginning and um so i mean that's kind of some similarities i saw between the two um the thing that you know i appreciate with the shining is that this movie is supposed to give you this sense of isolation this constant dread like something bad's gonna happen but he he didn't use somber colors he didn't use lots of blacks and grays and dark reds and stuff like in the hotel. Like the hotel had a lot of rooms with brighter colors. And um, I mean, the carpet was kind of dark-ish, but uh, you know, I mean, it just, it, it, sorry.
2: I, I'm sorry I had to interrupt you. I just had, when when I, when I watched this, did you have a huge flash um, when, uh, what is the cook's name?
4: Halloran, Dick when Halloran.
2: He, hell, yes, when he's laying in bed and it pans up to the picture of the naked woman. <laughs> Uh, that made me think of the woman in a clock uh, that had the fa- all the phallic
4: symbols. Oh, on yeah. oh true. Oh, yeah.
3: It was all over that movie, right? Yeah. There were tons of naked women on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Seen. I forgot about
4: that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But that is funny that you brought that up because that was a moment I wanted to bring up. Like, what are they? It's just such a weird it was just... characteriza- character trait or decoration for this guy to have this. And he had a naked woman on both sides. Yeah. Um, And I just found that very interesting and odd um, that they were showing that in that way. It was just kind of interesting, like this old guy, you know, chef, whatever, is just laying on his bed watching TV. And they pan up. It's like,
4: oh, snake okay. Woman, yeah. I-, I wondered what the, the other- point of that was too. I was like, is this necessary for for us to understand <laughs> his character or something? Yeah,
3: I didn't know what they were trying to tell us with that. And it wasn't like a uh, like glance and or you'll miss it kind of a thing. Like it. No, up and, focus.
1: There. <laughs> and then when
3: it showed you the TV, it focused on the other one. And it's like, I don't know what picture you're trying to paint about this guy. Um, it, was, it was almost funny because after we meet him, we wouldn't expect
1: that from him. No.
3: Um, so that was kind of, yeah, out of felt a little out of place in this kind of a movie. But um. But yeah, um, what's fun about watching this movie as an adult, because I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm calling myself as a fogey, I guess I should say. <laughs> um, is just how often so many of these scenes are referenced in so many other movies oh, yeah. on social media and everything. I mean, the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, the here's <laughs> honey, like the, the the elevator, blah, like all of that stuff is so heavily like used in so many references. Um, the music, the carpet, uh, it's, it's a movie that definitely has ha- influenced a lot of things. In, oh. in fact,
4: the whole time, all I could think of was that South Park episode where he, uh, where Randy Marsh buys a Blockbuster.
1: <laughs>
3: that whole
4: episode is basically inspired by The Shining. He turns into Jack Torrance and he starts, you know, skulking <laughs> around, and then he gets, he he actually freezes in the snow outside the Blockbuster
3: at the end of it. <laughs> well, to quote somebody in South Park, Simpsons did it. Um, cuz the simpsons did the uh, the was it a treehouse of horror short the well, cuz they they called it the shinnin' right the, the, the shinnin' Shinning. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and it was um, really yeah, yeah
4: with
3: Dick Calderin right I, the yeah. shinnin' the shinnin' so um a lot too. <laughs>
4: all right ruth
2: we didn't if oh sorry are you
3: is, <laughs> i i was about to say that's all i'll say for now everything else has pretty been much been covered but yeah alright
0: ruth let's hear it okay um so my thing when I first started watching was, well, after kind of getting into it and with the ending with him being in the, you know, in the picture from the 1920s, I thought, well, when he first started out, I was like, maybe he's like a, already a ghost or a vampire or something, you know, but then the reincarnation thing makes definitely makes sense because of the you know the different looking of the you know of the men and everything like that but when he's at that party it makes me think of in the gold room when the um the bartender's in there it was like oh it's got to be the bartender because that's what i was thinking at first because um he was the one who had the two little girls and all that so it was kind oh, the of, butler yeah i meant to say the butler yeah so i was thinking oh it's probably him and then you're thinking oh well i guess it's probably not but um then i thought too with um so i know jack nicholson's character um jack um he uh was having a drinking issue and he hadn't been sober that long and then it made me think too well it makes sense why he's there because he said he would give his soul for anything for a drink so that's got to have helped get him lurked in there help them get I guess him get broken to to stay there, you know, because um, my other thought was after I heard about him talking to that guy, the ghost of the um, of the butler when he was saying uh, when his wife went when Wendy is that what her name is put put him in the um what do you call it like the storage spot. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder how he met his wife because apparently the the guy was like, you know, you had someone too strong. So I guess clearly he wanted everyone to crack to for the wife and the and the kid to go there. But she was basically the only one that I felt like held it together for the most part. You know, considering everything that was going on, I felt like um, of course you're gonna have big horrific times, but she was still. I felt like. You know, considering I thought she did pretty good. Um, She she didn't just
4: uh, fold, right? She, she, she was good at helping her son get try to get out. She, she hit Jack with the baseball bat. Yeah. She Um, told him to give up. And then trapped him in the storage room. So she was. She's definitely very. She seems very frail, but she's not like backing down.
0: That's why they're like, yeah, she seems stronger. So then I thought, well, then that must have been why they must have had some kind of thing, thinking that we want someone you to pick a. A wife that's going to be fragile, that's going to be, you know, stuck in here, or
3: something like that. Um, Which is interesting, though, right? Because you could say the opposite in general that she's married to she's married to this man who was an alcoholic and he hit their child, and you know, for a lot of people, they'd be like, that's that's a you know, that's like a, that's he strikes you're out. That's a one strike you're out kind of okay. a deal. And a lot of people might say, well, she's not strong that she just stayed with him and you know took him back and all. But, um, so that's interesting that in this movie, that's kind of the character they built her up to be, but in the end, she proved us wrong that she doesn't just sit back and let this stuff happen to her. She gets the strength and gets out.
0: Yeah, and wants to help her son get out and realizes he is too crazy, and, uh, she helped her son help get, get things under control better and stuff like that, and, um, I always thought too with the kid with uh, with Tony, um, <laughs> is that what his name is? Um, I thought well, obviously he already had some stuff going on, but maybe was it that telepathic or something that the um the kitchen manager had with it, and then whatever he thought was inside him was connected to somebody else because um. I don't know. You he mean like, you mean like to things that are gonna happen. You mean like Tony might
4: have been a real person that was talking to him?
0: I don't know. Like he's got a. I was trying to figure out who exactly it is, and I was like, well, I guess this is. You know, I feel like it's still kind of open to our interpretation about it, but um. Um,
4: that goes back to what Fahad was saying about how Doctor Sleep like focuses more on the actual shining and okay. explains things, and this movie doesn't. I think in general, this movie, it doesn't bother to try to explain anything for you. Yeah. It's just presenting things in front of you and you have to try to figure out what's going on. And Dr. Sleep definitely is the kind of, it's more of a modern style movie where there is a little more explanation. So there's even a scene in there where um, Ewan McGregor, who's playing Danny Torrance grown up says, I used to call the shining Tony. I used to pretend he was my it was my imaginary friend telling me or showing me things. And I was like, okay, I get it, because I wanted the same thing. I was like, is, and even in the beginning of Dr. Sleep, I was like, is it possible Tony is just somebody that connected to him through The Shining and was actually talking to him? But according to Dr. Sleep, if you call that canon, I'm sure some Shining fans don't agree that that's part of the universe that they love. But um, but according to that, he, that's, Tony is just what he called The Shining.
3: Because he didn't know what it was, right? So he's right. trying to cope with it, so in his head, it is an imaginary friend. He was only uh, five. Yeah.
4: I mean, yeah, he He's barely knows what's going on. But I mean, I
3: kind of, I kind of would have liked it. It, it. I think it would have been a cool twist if Tony really was somebody named Tony talking to him through the shining link. That would have been cool if, like, a surprise savior shows up and they're like, "Who the hell are you?" I'm Tony.
1: <laughs> Get the hell off, Danny. But then
4: that
3: might have felt a little hokey. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
5: I was being, I was reading that, that um, I think in the, in the novel, Tony is actually uh, his adult self that's coming out of his mouth. And that he actually sees Tony. Uh, he's the only one that sees him as an adult or something standing across from him. But no one else can see him. So so this is in a novel.
4: Does you he guys, talk back to himself in time?
5: Yes. This is his adult self. That's, that's who Tony is. Okay, wait, so, I
4: need to read this book, too. <laughs> yes.
5: I'm excited to read
3: this. Um, so. I also found it kind of funny when he was calling him Tony. And I was like, what's up with imaginary friends? You have Tony here, and then the paranormal movies, you have Toby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All these imaginary friends like, sound the same. Tony, Toby, is there a what Tori? You- Who knows, there could be a Tori.
2: So Bruce, did you like, did you enjoy this movie?
0: Yeah, so um, I was going to say this is, I think I've seen bits and pieces, you know, when you go on TV and you think, okay, you know, I think only times I've seen it where he's been, he's walking around with the axe and so I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. But yeah, this is the first time I really saw it and I actually was, I actually really liked it. I um—I kind of feel like with Eric, like it, well, a little bit with everybody, like maybe it's because of how old it was, but I feel like it definitely had like scary moments but i felt like it was something i could watch and for me i feel like dang like that's got to be good um (laughs) it's been so long since i heard about it too that um stephen king is like he's really i feel like he's he's brilliant and like a you know all the the stuff that he does and um so i felt like you know that was cool i feel like i need to read the book i just i feel like it's probably going to be could be scary but i feel like i definitely want to see if i can read more into it um the room 237 i was talking about (laughs) talking about um the movie with one of the guys i work with in the in the morning and he said there's like a real hotel of it and there's actually a room the room 237 is like blocked off like nobody can go in there Uh i thought that was really interesting
4: (laughs) the weird thing is uh uh, I, i hope i'm right on this but in the book it's actually room 217 Oh. And so I don't know why I don't remember why if there was okay. a reason why yeah. the number was changed. Do you know? They, Tia? They,
5: yeah, they changed because um they it let's see they didn't want people to not go into room, room 27, the real one in the hotel. Two one seven. Yeah, yeah, that was actually a real room, and then after we wow. see the movie, people would not want to go in that room, so they, uh, they okay. to put it two Well,
4: point. that's a little foolish of them because I think everyone yeah. would want to stay in that yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There are people cool. who go to that hotel now and they like get pictures of themselves holding an axe, you know, like on the stairs.
1: <laughs>
3: it's kind of funny that the old movie was two ones the old the book was two one seven, the movie was two three seven, but they skipped two two seven, which was good for the T V show <laughs> two two seven.
1: That, oh that wasn't
3: God. the room. <laughs> 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 yes, everything goes back to the TV show Two Two Seven for me. I loved that them. show.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's so awesome. weird.
3: <laughs> so the the two one seven two two seven two three seven has now a complete trio for me. Well, I'm I'm not I, I mean full disclosure. I'm not going to read the book. I'll read about differences. Between- <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we didn't guess you. Would. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I yeah, and I started like kind of how. It starts off where you're like, oh, you know, it has little bits of where it's kind of leads up to it being scary. And I like how it kind of you get more into it and then you progressively gets more into it And then you learn more about, like, who these ghosts are and stuff. And
4: so Did it scare you, Ruth? Right? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I definitely had some kind of scared kind of like it was I feel like for me, it was kind of more. Um, what is it? the word you call oh, like suspense? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it was scary. I think if it would have had a lot more um, gore to it. I mean, I know it did, but there's a lot more of like, you know, too much blood. <laughs>
1: more kills.
0: Unfortunately, uh, well, I wish the, um, so I know the um, the cook, how he had the same kind of feeling with the kid. They kind of like what they connected when he was in bed, you know, in the- <laughs> like
4: The, the way cook. you're phrasing this just sounds kind of like pedophilia. <laughs>
0: He, um, no, I just they mean, were able
4: uh, to communicate with each,
0: each other. <laughs> are, that, okay, so the um, kitchen manager's in Florida laying down on his own bed. <laughs> It's uh, up at the... Really far away. At, uh, anyways, yeah. So they're kind of like... He could tell, like... the That's why he goes up there, because he told the kids having issues. And I felt like at first when he was calling, I thought, well, maybe the way he's calling to me, it seemed kind of shady. When he called the, like, the um, cops or forest rangers or whatever you want to say, it seemed kind of like, you know, he thought at first maybe I thought, well, maybe he's a bad guy. But then I thought, well, obviously he told the kid not to go in that room. And then later on, he realized that he can tell something's wrong. So he wants to go and try to see um, what's going on and help them. And then I felt so bad too, because I thought you know i wanted him to be a, a hero for um the kid and the mom and then basically he when he first gets in there he's just he's gone <laughs> but, but yeah he I, is didn't, a hero I didn't understand that
2: they got the the what was it called the snow cat the
4: that's true I mean, yeah, they uh, had, yeah like, that's
2: true. they're able to get out because he came
4: that's true. Yeah. He that's just true. had
2: to get yeah. killed.
5: Yeah, I was kind of hoping that he would have a bigger role, too, in terms of helping them get out. I was kind of hoping they'd see more heroic stuff like that.
3: But in a way, yeah. it's kind of nice, though, right? That, yes, he enabled them to get out by having the snowcat there, but it, it goes back to my statements of Shelley Duvall's character, Wendy. She's She got them out. She and Danny, they saved themselves and got themselves out, okay. rather yeah. than depending on a man to save them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. We like that. Like, how, oh. how awful
2: he... He pulled the radio out. Oh, sorry, I'm not explaining myself. But Jack pulled the radio out, so she couldn't communicate. And then he destroyed the snowcat that they had up there. Yeah. Like, how helpless can you feel? Like, yeah, with all of that snow. That is just like terrifying in like just the psychological, emotional way. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Yeah. Um, so- and her
2: child is catatonic basically yeah. not talking at all
0: yeah yeah oh that was so much and then um at least like his mom his mom believed him when because he did go they were obviously the evilness I was on there was trying to draw the kid in room 237 at least she believed something happened when you know when that lady tried to when the oh evil ghost the lady choke. tried to strangle him or mm-hmm. choke him so um
4: By the way, um, going back to what Fahad was saying about how this movie is referenced uh, uh, a lot uh, since it came out, I wanted to know if anyone else noticed this because on this watch, there was a scene that immediately made me think of another movie. And I wanna see if any of you can guess what movie I thought of. So it's the scene where Danny's trying to run away from Jack and Danny runs into the kitchen and he puts himself into one of the cupboards and tries to close the door. And then Jack walks through. Yes! yes! That's
0: the only Jurassic Park.
4: <laughs> yeah, immediately, I was like, oh my god, this feels a lot like Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there was any sort of inspiration there when they were making mm. that movie. But
3: yeah. Um, but building on that, not the Jurassic Park part, but the references part, there were some other references I even forgot to mention, like the twins. That whole type of, that thing is always used, right? Where you see the two creepy twins standing at the end of the hallway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Red rum is referenced a lot in pop culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, those are some other things. But I just read something very interesting that the book, the twins um, aren't in the book. So, like when he's riding the bike, like the, gir- the, the, the uh, O'Grady or whatever, the Grady family, they had daughters, but they weren't twins, and they're not seen by Danny in the movie.
4: Well, Two. even in the Two. movie, I think they're not twins. They're not twins. They, they
2: were eight them and them. 10, but they just they uh, They look um, like twins. They're they, the they were dressed this day. They were dressed exactly
3: like. Um, well,
4: I think the movie says they're nine and 10, right? It does. they they're they're very, 10. very close, but they're not quite twins. Either way,
3: Danny doesn't see them in the book. Okay. Um, so that famous scene reference is actually new for the movie. Ooh. The leading elevator is not in the book. Oh, mm. Um, the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, not in the book. Um. The hedge maze is not in the book. Well,
5: they, it, the animals come to life though, what are you talking about there?
3: The topiary comes to life, so like, the, oh. the, the, um, you know like when you go to fancy places they might have hedges in the shape of oh. stuff? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. but
3: there's no hedge maze. And yeah. then here's Johnny, isn't in the book. So, oh, like, I
5: heard that was, the uh, they videos. got that from Johnny Carson.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. just funny that a lot, all of the, almost all of the famous references from the movie are, are actually new for the movie.
5: That is, yeah, it's all yeah.
3: like Kubrick stuff. And like. I
2: think that's why Stephen King hated it, right? Yeah, I think, uh, because yeah. they changed his book so much, and and that the thing that, that everybody thinks gonna gonna about it.
3: his book is actually not in his book. Yeah, <laughs> well, when they read the book, they're
2: probably disappointed. And this is like the movie from one of his like the most popular, right? yeah uh, his other movies
4: have not done not all of them though. there's been a lot of stinkers
3: yeah yeah i'd say like what of all the stephen king ones what, like the biggest ones were this pet cemetery misery carrie Beautiful carrie Family. yeah carrie
4: um christine actually has a lot of respect these days oh yeah that's I... good one uh, and then op- and then obviously
3: the remake of it the actual movies of it in it, chapter two yeah
4: yeah Although, I love the miniseries
3: quite a lot. And he Uh, had a lot of good... I mean, some of his miniseries were loved as well, right? Didn't they
2: make... I'm sorry, didn't they make Lawnmower Man into a movie? Yes,
3: they did.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That short story, have you read it? That is bizarre.
3: I have not.
4: I've never seen seen the movie, but the short story is really, really odd. I've seen the movie. Um, It's not great. I don't (laughs) think... uh, (laughs) But, uh, but growing up, Jeff Fahey's face is just, I don't know, it's like pure sex to me. So so, I, so I'd always picture him mowing the lawn, you know, with a shirt <laughs> on, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> another, another one I liked growing up was In the polite. short
2: story, he, is he like, mowing something. the lawn with like an actual lawnmower? Because in the short story, he's like eating the,
4: eating the lawn. <laughs> like, <laughs> In the movie, I remember there's a scene where he's actually mowing the lawn. Because he okay. starts off as just this like dim-witted Longmore man like he just comes to the house and most. I mean the it was,
2: it, they had to add a lot to it because it was a short anyway yeah not what we're talking about next time
4: so, so mm-hmm. but yeah for that reason like usually when I see a Stephen King movie or an adaptation of Stephen King like a, there's been a lot of television series recently you can sort of like tell you're like this feels like Stephen King but this movie does not it feels like Kubrick it, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of Stephen King in it no.
5: I heard that Stephen King wrote a script for it, and then Kubrick threw it in a trash can. Uh-oh. And, did his own thing. and oh. didn't he make his own version of this, or
4: no? Well, there was a 19, was it 1997 version starring yeah. Stephen Weber, right? Um. Yeah, and met Rebecca de Mornay. Oh, really?
3: Mm-hmm. But I don't and, know um, if
4: he was involved in that with, like, screenplay or anything. Uh, yeah.
3: Maybe, because, I mean, Takia was the Rebecca Dormant, <laughs> Rebecca de Mornay version, that feisty blonde kind of character. Oh,
1: yes!
0: Yeah.
5: Oh, uh, Okay. okay. Uh, in fact, can why I, would why? would... Wait, can I comment? Uh, I'm sorry. Go we'll for about it. About that, I think um uh, the, the things that they that Stephen King could do couldn't do in the book, they put in the 1997 miniseries. There was a the, there was a heavily um, mentioned scene about a garden hose like a snake that was outside of room two thirty seven. They put that into the 1997 one. So they put a lot of things they couldn't do in the in the 1980 movie and the 97 movie. So that there you go with the um, the blonde woman. Yeah, there you go. Interesting
1: yeah
4: Hmm. um so i wanted to uh speaking of references and also kubrick uh this being more kubrick than king um i wonder uh i think they mentioned this in the documentary room 237 as well but you know there's been this long-standing uh conspiracy theory that we'd never landed on the moon and that the moon landing video was actually directed by stanley kubrick And uh, so there are, in in the documentary, they talk about that there are some fans that think there are clues that Kubrick put in this movie that pretty much confesses to doing it. And I think one of them, I think there's a couple, but but one of them is definitely the fact that there's a very, it's a very, uh, uh, it's very prominently shot, but at one point... the point where Danny goes into two thirty-seven and gets attacked by the woman, actually, he's wearing a sweater that has the Apollo Eleven rocket oh, okay. on it.
1: Oh, oh. I so noticed like, that. Oh, without... oh
4: yeah, Kubrick's yeah. teasing us with this this information. Uh, he's he's admitting that it happened, you know. Um, I noticed that. I thought that was so. When I saw that sweater, I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very funny. Um, what else? What else? Oh, I, I I didn't hear anyone mention it, but did you notice that when they it feels so not even King and not even Kubrick, but just like classic, like, you know, cheap horror story. But in the beginning of the movie, when they when the family first arrives at the hotel, the uh, the um, the uh, the guy who's giving them the tour tells them that the hotel was built on an Indian burial ground. So oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: like both guys.
5: What and what as soon guys? as he said that, I
4: was like, oh, that's why you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It used to be always why people get screwed when they move into a house that's haunted.
5: <laughs> the Indian—they <laughs> right? didn't harp on that at all with the Indian burial ground and, and like the ghosts being part of that, possibly. They didn't. But on that I wondered all. if the
4: place is is cursed and that's why people get trapped there because because oh. oh. um not only did they build it on the Indian burial ground but apparently they um, added insult to injury by. Um, like, killing off a bunch, that, well, he, he mentions, he says, I think they even had to defend it against a bunch of Indian tribes when it first opened or something, yeah. so probably killed them. And then they had the gall after all that, to decorate it in Indian motifs, oh. the entire thing. Oh, it's yeah. Like, okay, you're, you're just asking for
3: it. <laughs> uh, well, one, one thing that I read that was interesting is that in the book, it's very much a ghost story. Like... It focuses on like ghosts, like Kiyo was saying, the topiaries come alive, like all these creepy things. Whereas in the movie, it's more vague on, is it haunted? Are these ghosts? Or is it in Jack's mind and his descent into madness from being isolated up there? Because he's going in fragile already. He's five months sober, isolated. You know, he has issues. Is this all in him just going crazy? Uh, but in the book it's very clear it's hunted. and, and you know
4: it. i even um uh, so like throughout the most of the movie i was like I'm, I'm trying to you know on this watch as a 40 year old i'm like i'm like i'm really i'm gonna get it this time i'm gonna understand everything that's going on so i'm watching the whole movie and i'm like ah, okay i understand this and i developed this theory about how oh well i guess you know uh danny has the shining and halloran talked to danny about how halloran had the shining but also his grandmother did and i was like oh it's a genetic thing so i thought oh that makes sense his father jack also has the shiny but just doesn't know it and that's why he's so badly affected by everything but then it almost fell apart because i got very confused uh, that scene towards the end where suddenly wendy can see all of the ghosts mm-hmm. and i was like well why can she see stuff oh, but, then I, but then after dr sleep i decided i amended my theory and i decided that they talked about danny as being sort of a battery uh and then in, doc- in uh, well they yeah I think that is either that or in The Shining, actually. But And they also say that um, at the end of Dr. Sleep, Danny says that he has to go into the hotel and wake it up because the hotel recognizes his shine and that sort of gives it some power and it comes back alive. And I thought, oh, maybe at this point, both Jack and Danny have given the hotel so much power that anyone who walks in there can see this stuff. Like, it's not hidden anymore. They have a lot, they can actually reach out and touch people and affect things. Uh, but there was something else i was going to say about what you were just saying fahad um, what was it you were you were talking about uh, the ghost of oh, correct me if i'm wrong but um, in ready player one i don't know if i don't know if any of you uh, the rest of you have seen that movie but it's a, it's a, it's about a lot of uh, you know uh, the love of pop culture basically and this um, long since dead uh, godlike programmer developed a, a, a vr a universe for people to, to log into and live and it's full of his favorite references and stuff and there's a game that he makes them play that's also full of his favorite references and there's one that they go into and it's supposed to be set in the shining and I think there's even a line and but the scene that they go into is it's in a it's in the ballroom but all the ghosts are sort of dancing and they're floating around and I think they, they all they look kind of dead uh, and the and the floor has fallen away. And I think somebody says in the movie he says I, I've seen the shining I don't this scene wasn't in the movie and uh, and the guy says well he the the creator preferred the book and this is from the book because uh. it's it's much more ghostly you know it's not just real people sitting in front of jack because he's imagining them it's it's like the dead you know and oh. I think that's right I hope that I'm not getting that wrong
3: yeah I wonder what the 97 or whatever TV adaptation I wonder how it does it. I kind of want to watch it now
5: yeah um but the thing of possession like so how does that work in terms of like who 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 do those how did it determine who's possessed grady got
1: company.
3: what well, how do you it's a company it? that people i said it's it's a company that people hire and they transfer the assassin's brain <laughs> into the person oh, okay. that that isn't that how a possessor works
5: yeah Something like yeah. that yeah but <laughs> in this case um how was um who was the name Jack I, I don't, don't think
4: they were possessed though no. I don't think anyone ever got possessed
5: No. So how did he come to to kill Grady got killed his family they became part of hotel as you saw yeah. when that little part became life where he was the waiter and yeah. he's um, so how did Jack start to want to ask his family the same thing as Grady did I thought it was some kind of malevolent force that and inhabited think, their mind a little bit after, after they became, um, uh, you know, had the cabin fever, already fragile-minded type of,
4: you know, already had... I had, think it's just madness. Mm-hmm. I think yes. uh, he was driven mad. And then the, you could see, like, during certain scenes, the hotel or the, you know, the, the other occupants of the hotel were trying to convince him that his family was the problem, that his family's holding... You know, they're playing on uh, insecurities he already has about being burdened having the family and, the, you know, his, his kid is annoying Grading. and his wife is nagging him all the time and it's just yeah. out. they just keep nagging at him until he, he he agrees with the hotel. I just need to get rid of him, you know?
5: Yeah, I, I was wondering why they're saying they have McGrady as well. But they, like, this yeah, I think the same behavior. thing. Happened. Okay, so that's, that's isolation, basically, that, that, that turns you mad. That That's kind of the idea of horror right there.
4: Not some well, Hallucinations, too, probably. Um, yeah, okay. I, know, I, I mean, got the like, sense uh, that the entire environment is just like yeah. almost like a drug. Like you start to like forget what's going on and yeah. things seem weird. You know.
5: Yeah, I didn't mean like a possession, like like the exorcist, but just like you know, did, did, did something evil get in him from? Is the hotel already evil? All these, all these ghosts around, and like did that get somehow into him? That, that's I, what. I, yeah, I don't and
3: know. I think that's what the book leans more towards, whereas oh. the movie is more like a mental breakdown. Like it.
4: That's what. Yeah. Been mad. Hmm so if we can go back because i i didn't give my opinion but Shelley had asked if we could compare because this is our second kubrick movie which i didn't even think about that when Shelley suggested it but so oh. <laughs> that's two so that's cool so now we yeah. have something to compare it to and yeah i think um kubrick definitely has a, a style and what was this like nine years after clockwork I oh
1: think. was when that was 71? Clockwork?
4: Um, I think that was 71. So I think this was okay, nine
2: yeah. years, nine
4: years, but um, this was
2: June 80, right?
4: Yeah. So I definitely noticed, um, between the two movies, the similarities are he, he loves those long tracking shots, like yes. following people through these expansive rooms. And, and I think that I don't think that if, if i from the movies I've seen at that time, I don't think that was very usual. I don't think a lot of directors pulled that off or even tried. And mm-hmm. so it feels, it still feels kind of modern. Cause, and I think this is one of the first movies to use a steady cam too. So they had a lot mm-hmm. that they could play with. Um, and so there's a lot of those really, like you can imagine like the choreography of those scenes was very difficult, like to get it right, you know? <laughs> and, and I think one of, uh, I think uh, somebody said that maybe it was Takia that he didn't really like to do a lot of takes no, he liked takes. Oh,
5: he liked, oh, to, he liked get- to do
4: a lot of takes. Oh, never mind. It, it
5: drove, like, the, the black man, I would say, Scatman Crothers, that's the yeah. real name of real life. It, yeah. it drove him to tears because oh, he was wow. so tired of yeah. so many takes. It, 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 it was not unusual for Kubrick to do up to 100 takes. And oh, my so he, gosh. Even if you like a scene, do it again. Do it again. Like It's like, he, almost like he's like a troll freak. So he sounded yeah. like he sounded kind of, not, not like the the, best, the most favorite act. The most favorite um, director to work with, yeah. And then Scatman Crothers was been mentioning he he was a movie I think a few years later was Clint Eastwood directing, and he only did one take, and he was thanking him for just doing one take, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I read so much about this movie; it's crazy how much I read about this. But yeah, that's why I, I read
1: that too.
4: Well, I because I was gonna say that my my opinion right now between these two I mean I've seen other Kubrick movies but not in such close proximity to each other so these are easier Mm -hmm. for me to compare but I feel like Kubrick is a is a director's director and not an actor's director oh okay by that that, I feel like um uh he's a a direct like a good director he's an auteur but it's really about the product he's making and he Mm -hmm. doesn't he's never seemed like he's too concerned with getting good performances out of everybody so he's not look. He's not looking to get good performances out of the actors. So I'm. Inter- it's interesting that he apparently does so many takes because, I think if you remember during a Clockwork Orange, I said that besides the main character Alex, uh, 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 played by um, McDowell, nope. uh, besides him, I felt like nobody else really played a you know a very interesting part. Like there, mm-hmm. and n- nothing really that memorable except maybe Cat Lady, and. <laughs> And, and I felt the same here. I mean, this was a much smaller cast,
1: mm-hmm.
4: though I not, didn't feel the same, but I felt similar because in the beginning, I kind of found it hard to watch basically everyone except Jack Nicholson. I felt like the acting was bad, actually, um, especially uh, Shelly Duvall. I, I, I was watching, I mean... She she's, running, she's running in, weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and she just seemed <laughs> like awkward and, and like... Uh, yeah. like like she knew she was playing a part, not actually being the part. And I also, growing up, I somehow I never picked up on her extreme Southern accent. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because growing up, everyone back there has a little bit of an accent. So maybe I just didn't notice. But now I'm like, she's really laying it on thick. This sort of like Lilton kind of Southern thing. It's a little bit of a draw, slow talker. But I felt like she she wasn't good, especially in the beginning. But. Uh, in the end, obviously, when it comes to like running around screaming and crying, she knocked it out apart. She's <laughs> absolutely <kills laughs> it. Well, uh, in the but, beginning,
2: did you, I'm sorry, did you think? Ahead, she ahead. kind of felt like kind of ditzy to me. Yeah. Like kind of, like, Yeah.
4: <laughs> and yeah, not like, like an was, accomplished actor, really, to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and yeah. I felt the same way about Halloran in most of his scenes. And it just seemed like maybe they weren't being, those scenes weren't being shot. In a way that really would highlight the performance, or maybe maybe not enough. I thought I had thought at the time maybe not enough takes were given to the performers, or maybe Kubrick just didn't care. I, I don't know. But that was the sense that I got, and 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 I that made me think of Clockwork Orange. And then the other thing is he he seems to be really good at picking like um, um, I guess you would call it, in film school they call it the mise en scène so the the color schemes in a scene the patterns the mm-hmm. the angle of the camera like the the way he catches that everything is like a painting each scene is like its own painting um and and especially in this movie because like some of those hotel rooms were absolutely gorgeous that bathroom is that red bathroom is just like whoa i um, even
5: liked the, the 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 dead woman's bathroom that was well, you know, i loved was,
4: that bathroom was, i want that well, bathroom
5: even though it was mostly green it was still something really cool and vintage yeah. vintage that's my word i was looking forward to vintage yeah, yeah. so yeah. i really enjoy the like i mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the um design and the interior design and stuff like that and yeah. each one was he did that on purpose he had mm-hmm. i guess each one tells a different story in a way yeah. i love
4: it. yeah he's very good at doing that and of course yeah. of having the right music to to, to be yes. underneath the whole time yep.
1: mm-hmm.
4: um so it seems like he spends a lot more time on that than maybe Getting Shelly Duvall to seem like a real person. <laughs> the,
5: I, I didn't like, I felt like her running was like weird. She's like, ah.
4: definitely. I remember a scene where she runs up the I stairs and she was flailing in a strange way. And I was like, did he,
5: like he ask to do that? Or is she just I like awkward? That. I agree. I didn't like that either. It felt so like, like what are you doing, Shelly? Like, like
4: more. Oh, hi, Shelly. Duvall, uh, <laughs> no, oh, not Philly, I didn't no. like
5: that. she was. She, I wish she could have. I don't know if it because she's kind of a newbie at acting kind of sort of like kind of a first and she was trying to get into it but she looked like a noodle flying or flailing around. <laughs> that, it is like I didn't like
3: Like, it. like didn't olive oil look. would look. Yeah. Yeah.
5: She does yeah. look like olive oil. Yeah. That was the only thing I didn't like about it like, I didn't know how big she looked at running. But other than that, yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. But then, I you know, I got over it, whatever, so <laughs> <clears throat>
4: Um, I think that's all I had to say on like the style. Um, definitely recognizable and very good, but maybe you know maybe performances aren't like the focus, which you know, which is fine. Like if because uh, you can get into the story even if the performances you know if everything yeah. else is, is good you don't have to have. Do you it like, like Jack had, Nicholson although,
3: though?
4: Yeah, or- he was incredible, and uh, and I guess I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I noticed a lot of a lot of choices he made in playing this role, uh, I think have got got him parts after this because it reminded me a okay. lot of the Witches of Eastwick. Mm-hmm. It, reminded, it reminded me of him playing the Joker in Batman.
1: Oh, uh, he, yeah, he
4: pulled yeah. out some of that dangerous, you know, psychotic mm-hmm. flavor. I loved
2: like, the scene because it made you hate him so much when he's kind of mocking her at the end. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Wasn't that good? Like, I thought he did. That Look, was yeah. just- When he
4: follows her up the stairs. And he's yeah. like,
2: yeah, and you did like I forget the exact words, but he and him, you he thought, thought that, like he repeated like, and you exactly wanted to what he she a said. You think he needs oh. a doctor? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh, so that was that was I think my favorite scene. I mean, he yeah. just did. He made you. It's like you. Did you had someone do that to you before? Like mock you, or and it was yeah. just like the perfect. He just had to repeat exactly what she said, but he said it in such a hateable
4: way. Yeah. And that's it that's like a pitch perfect abusive husband, right? Yeah. Yeah. The way they would talk to their wives when they're when they get angry and they're make her feel crazy, like Yeah. Make her feel crazy, make her feel stupid. <laughs> yeah.
5: At one point he referred to her as a sperm bank when he was talking to oh, you. I hated that. I like, know. That was, oh my god. The, the oh. oh I angry. was like, yeah.
4: He so, yeah, said a few things thing. to that bartender, you know, it's sort of that, sort of the, those scenes where when two men are talking to just each other and they're kind yeah. of on the same page, they say some terrible things. He said something, he made some comment about white man's burden and I was like, wow, mm. oh, I don't know what you're trying to say there, but uh, mm. but that brings me back to speaking of this movie and the style and the choices that were made, Kia, what you mentioned earlier that we haven't talked about yet, but the scene in the bathroom where they yeah. say the N word, not once, yeah. but in case you missed it, three times in a yeah. row.
5: So if, that's why I was like, you know, it made, it's the 1920s where you know, there were a lot of blacks that were like, you know, housekeepers and stuff like that. And they were also respected and whatnot. Because I don't
4: think, but the two, to 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 bring back to a conversation in one of our earlier podcasts, uh, I think it was Jennifer's body, um, and I think Fahad's opinion. Uh, well, we a lot of us agreed, but what opinion was? It's it's difficult when when they do this in a movie, but you can't find a good reason why they did this. Mm-hmm. You know. Was it really necessary? Uh, so is there a point to it that maybe I don't know or didn't pick up on? Because to me, it just seemed out of nowhere and completely unnecessary for, to get the point across at the scene. Yeah, I don't, I was yeah. surprised. The only thing I can think of is um, that uh, they, they, they were showing a little bit more of the fact that the hotel is preying on like the worst parts of Jack and bringing them to the surface. Um, so making him more abusive, more misogynist, more racist, mm-hmm. so, that, yeah. so that all the people around him are people he wants to kill. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I can't think of a, yeah. That would be the only reason, I guess, to make you realize that there, what, what is their good about him.
4: Yeah, would you, not- not you have thoughts on that since um, you had had a lot to say about the, the whole idea of using these kinds of words <laughs> sparingly in movies before? I, mean, I,
3: mm-hmm. I think you summed it up. But like, <laughs> I, I brought it up back in Jennifer's Body that, you know, for c- certain places in certain movies, it makes sense to depict what people were like at that time and mm-hmm. to make a point that this character is like this. But like in Jennifer's Body, it just felt out of place. Like you said, Eric, in this place, it also felt out of place. I mean, did they really need to go there to make you dislike him more? Probably not. I wonder what the book had. Like, was that source material from the book? Was it something Kubrick added in there? I don't know. It would be interesting to find out. Um, but, yeah, I, re- I remember being a little taken aback when it happened. Because I was like, really? Oh, Okay. That didn't seem like it was necessary
5: I just thought it was just disrespectful at other times nineteen twenty, the 1920s or something like that you know so, I don't know
4: <laughs> but again yeah I mean if it doesn't serve the story then why have it no yeah oh. I mean I don't think Kubrick was the type to shock just for shock
3: no yeah. and there's a lot of other ways to represent the times that they were already doing throughout the movie so. yeah
4: yeah so I don't know. That was surprising to me. I guess it was to you too, Tiki. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I yeah.
5: Like, if it was for a certain context, like you're just trying to portray something, like you know, back in segregation, Jim Crow era, I can understand that. But this was just like what? Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. yeah nowhere. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So speaking of when Jack goes insane and starts, you know, chasing his family down. Um, you know, they call him either Danny or Doc throughout most of the movie, but every now and then the father calls him Dan, which is a weird thing to call a kid. Yeah, Dan, hey, Dan. and and he especially kept saying Dan when he's like chasing him with the, the axe. He's like, I'm coming for you, Dan, Dan, I'm coming for you. And Fahad, the whole time, I'm thinking, keep your eye on Dan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's that's a reference to a new ABBA song.
4: Called- <laughs> an eye on Dan. For, yeah, for your for your listeners who don't know, this is we recorded this in a in a, in a rare era where we get a new ABBA album, and there is a weirdly titled song on it called "Keep Your Eye on Dan," which is about leaving your kid with your ex-husband or something, and uh, and worrying about it.
3: And as weirdly titled it, it as it is, and as oddly topic as it is, it is potentially one of the best songs on the album. It's very good.
4: And I'm going to assume from now on it's actually a, a veiled reference to The um, Shining.
3: To The Shining.
4: Yeah, because somebody should keep their eye on Danny. <laughs> His dad is after him.
1: Speaking
5: of Danny, the, the guy that played him, um, well, yeah, we met him at the Monster Mania the first year.
4: I thought he came, but I don't think yeah, I... That was
5: him. And him he, we talked for a while because it was, you know, teacher to teacher things. So that was kind of fun. He's actually a biology teacher at a community <laughs> college. And wow. I think Arkansas can't be sure and he actually had a little bit part in dr sleep as one of the dads or something in a baseball game or something I, I, it's been a while Did, I mean, was it a speaking that, part a couple of years ago but he had a cameo in there and then he oh
1: played, played
5: a little boy in something else and that was it he didn't do much acting after shining that was like this basically this major film and then so we we actually talked teacher stuff at the, at the monster mania i was like oh this is cool
4: <laughs> you, yeah. you were so good at that that's that's amazing so now yeah. you just watched him be a little boy for two hours. And I 40.
5: know the red rum boy. I got, he's a teacher. So anyway, they, I thought that was really cool. So
4: yeah,
5: this goes to show that everyone, I guess you know, doesn't want to. They, they may do a couple movies make one movie, but then it's kind of not, not their direction. They go to a different direction after that. That's kind of interesting as well. Yeah.
3: Um. Sorry, I'm going back to something that was stated in the very early parts of this conversation. Whereas, Shelley, I don't know if you had mentioned it, Eric, I know you mentioned it, and Ruth, you mentioned it, that, you know, the movie itself is not really scary. Um, I think, Shelley, you added that it's more so the thought of being isolated that's Mm -hmm. scary, but the movie itself wasn't, like, scary. Right. Um, And it just made me think that how things have changed so much since then to change what our perception of a scary movie is, because... People who watched that movie when it came out in 1980 were terrified of it. It was yeah. a scary movie. Yeah. And I'm bringing that up because I was talking to my aunt and uncle and my mom last week about, oh, the movie that I have to watch for this week is The Shining. And my uncle's first comment was, oh my God, that movie is so scary.
1: <laughs> uh, and,
3: and I even remember thinking then, I'm like, I know I've seen it. And I don't remember it being like scary. So it's just funny to see like people who watched it as adults then thought it was scary. Then we grew up with movies like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and all, which we thought were scary. But now kids these days don't think either of those are scary. Uh, And it takes a lot more, I think, to really scare people these days.
4: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think some movies you really need to see on the big screen. And I bet you this this movie would get me even more if I saw it on the big screen. And of course, we didn't have a chance to. But audiences in 1980, that's where they went to see it first. And I bet it affected them more like i remember um i got to see the exorcist uh, in the theater one like for the first time when i was like 20 and um it held up and i think it was even better like on that screen because yeah. it just fills the room and it's it's like something you can't escape it's not like on your television
3: yeah i saw the exorcist at our student theater back in college and yeah i didn't enjoy that experience <laughs> <laughs> it was still scary
4: to this day to
3: everybody listening I don't get scared watching horror movies much at all, but there's one movie that just still gets me, and it's The Exorcist. And it's really less about the movie, and it's just more about Reagan's face. That face just terrifies <laughs> me, even to this day. Uh, Eric downstairs in his, um, I'm going to call it your apartment, um, has a calendar of horror movie uh, characters And I believe I gave you that calendar, because I got it as a gift, but I didn't want it up here, because Reagan's face was one of the... Uh. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
3: Um, And then I remember when it was time for Reagan's face on your calendar, (laughs) I was actually kind of a little nervous walking down to your place. I was like, (laughs) "Oh, I know that calendar is facing where I'd be walking down, but thankfully, since it was October, you had your Jason mask covering it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Reagan was wearing a Jason mask.
3: Yeah, so I say I I got saved because I didn't have to deal with looking at Reagan's face whenever I'd come and visit.
4: So, I was thinking with the
5: part with the 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 woman in the back when she turned to an old lady. That was kind of horrifying, kind of scared to see on the big screen.
3: I think tw- that would be a bit. I think that would be a bit creepy because it still took I, I was caught not off guard because I knew what to expect. But there was a creepiness to that old lady. It was yes, almost so- like the yeah, moment from Pet Sematary. Yes, so- like-
5: yes, Zelda. I was seeing the same thing, Claude. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, know. Zelda
3: oh didn't God. scare me. I know but- Zelda definitely gets you and Eric. But oh, yeah. I can understand how this lady in the bathtub can bring that same feeling that Zelda yes. does. But she had that, that
4: creepy toothless smile, and something about that, that smile, was like, yeah. ooh, That's I don't want to see the, that. The Stephen King scene that that reminded me of was not from Pet Cemetery, but the scene from the original It miniseries where be- adult Beverly goes back to her um, dad's house, oh, and that yeah. old woman suddenly turns, and she's like, "The stain won't be worse than your death," and you're That's like, right. "Oh no, no, no!" It reminded me of that, where like she's just a woman, but it's like, but something's not right, you know.
3: Well, it's even in even in the remake of it where oh, she's at
1: that her house,
3: and there's the older lady there and yeah. there's obviously stuff off and then she starts undressing and all of a sudden turns into Pennywise and runs yeah. at her.
4: True, true. I just don't like how that scene. I mean, it gets a little too CGI. Yeah, uh,
3: but it was like still the, freaky. Oh, that was so freaky. It was freaky. definitely was.
4: Yeah. That was really
5: freaky. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was oh my gosh. Um,
3: by the way, ben since the I just, Zelda was not an old lady, she was a and man. That she played by man, right? She was a man what
4: yeah i said yeah she was yeah i'm just
3: saying the character was a younger g- woman but the person playing her was actually a man
4: he just became um, a robot which you.
3: i was <laughs> in. but in the pet cemetery but in the pet cemetery remake it was just a it wasn't really that scary was it
4: I don't even remember Zelda in the remake. Did they use that? Oh,
3: she came down like a dung waiter or something, didn't oh, she? Oh,
4: that was actually that scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> okay.
5: Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, it, I remember now. I think we all. Have, I think you and I, Eric, have similar scary scenes. It was things are scared that scared and no
4: one else is scared by. Yeah, <laughs> I, they're like iconic moments for me.
1: Um,
4: so I, I totally. You know, I just watched Doctor Sleep before we had this. Uh, before we had this recording. <laughs> And I did not. I I had to look up the picture because I remember the two the two dads at the baseball. I remember they had a conversation with each other, and I remember them. And I was like, but I don't remember their faces. And so I just looked it up, and I'm I'm seeing Danny Lloyd now. I'm like, I yep. have no idea. That's him. Yeah, he's a very handsome dude. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Doctor Sleep, uh, I'm sure you're all gonna go watch it now that I've talked about it so much, but. <laughs> But uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, it's directed by Mike Flanagan, and the screenplay was Mike Flanagan. Did you know no. that,
3: Fahad? I didn't know that. And we're Doctors, all... Doctor Sleep is a Flanagan movie?
4: Yeah, and we're all big Mike Flanagan fans now, right? So that that's Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, Midnight Mass. Uh, Fahad, you've told me I should watch that movie Hush, which is Mike I... Flanagan.
3: Yeah, I've seen Hush twice now.
4: Uh, Oculus was Mike Flanagan. So um, he really did a good job on this, but uh, he... So it's interesting because in Dr. Sleep, um, they obviously they didn't have Jack Nicholson play Jack Torrance, AKA Lord the bartender, Lloyd the bartender, uh, but they, he instead had Henry Thomas play him. And he, Mike mm. Flanagan has also used Henry Thomas in Midnight Mass, right? Is he in Midnight Mass? Yes, he's the father. Yeah. Um, also Bly Manor and Hill House. Um, but also uh, the, in Dr. Sleep, the woman they get to play Wendy because um, it's not Shelley Duvall, obviously. Um, it, she's in Midnight Mass too, and also Bly Manor. Huh. In Midnight, in Midnight Mass, she's Annabeth Gish's mom, who gets younger throughout. Oh, oh her. Ah. Yeah. So Mike Flanagan has uh, he he had a a couple of the people he used in Doctor Sleep. He's had since in, in 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 second series.
1: Okay.
4: So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and he's really just fast becoming one of my favorite directors. Yeah. And he's got a great cast that he he uses he reuses and um they're they're very good
3: and he's married to um is her name kate siegel
4: no i think he's married to um it says he lives in los angeles with actress courtney bell
3: no mike flanagan is married to kate siegel
4: oh well this bio may be wrong
3: yeah because i just double checked on wikipedia they've been married since 2016. Who's this woman he lives with? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate Siegel is a big part of his TV series and was the lead in his movie Hush. Um, she played, for those of you who have watched Haunting of Hill House, she was Theo, the sister, the old, the older version of Theo, the sister that would always wear gloves. Mm-hmm. She would touch people. I think what she could like feel their pain or something. I can't remember what her powers were. And in in Bly Manor, she was the lady of the house. Mm -hmm. In Mass, she was the pregnant woman. Um, I'm not going to say too much because Takiya, you're still watching it. Yeah. Um, And then in Hush, she was the lead. So.
4: Yeah. And um, Doctor Sleep is the second, or is it? Let me look at the years real quick. Yeah, it's the second uh, Stephen King adaptation he's done because he also did Gerald's Game. Uh, oh, okay. so if, if you haven't seen that, I recommend it on Netflix. Gerald's Game is very good. It's a very simple story, but he does a lot with it, and um, it's very good. And I think that's... Uh... Have you read that book? Isn't it? Is it a full I book? Or a is it a
5: short story? I'm sure
4: it's a book. I saw a movie. It was, it was good. It's good, yeah, yeah. I have not read it. I don't know. I've only read Salem's Lot.
2: Isn't there Doesn't two... That- there's
4: Gerald's Game, and then, oh. like... A... Oh, look it up. I just realized I lied. I... <laughs> I, I've read *Salem's Lot*, which is Stephen King, but hold on. But I've also read *Thinner*. But oh, I, think, I saw that movie 96. Yeah, I used to love I, that movie. But, but I, I think when I read *Thinner*, I didn't know it was Stephen King because it was actually originally re- published under his pseudonym Richard Bachman. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, no, I don't think I, I don't think I realized it at the time.
3: Yeah, I used to love Thinner. It had the dad from My Big Fat Greek Wedding in it. <laughs>
4: oh, it, I liked weird. it because it had Kari were.
3: Yeah, but um, the actor who played the dad passed away earlier this year. Um, but uh, I was going to say it's Gerald's Game, Mike Flanagan, also had somebody he's used in movies, in his TV series, um, Carla Guccino, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She that's the main true, yeah.
3: She was one of the sisters in Hill House. Um, I believe she was in Bly... Yeah, she was in Bly Manor, because she was the uh, main character grown up.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Grown grown up. Oh. Grown <laughs> yeah, grown
3: up, waiting for her love to return.
5: Yeah. I wouldn't mention, Um, I'll get back to The Shining, uh, the, the part when she, when she locked him... She, she locked, the, locked Jack unconscious, when he's just regaining conscious, in the freezer. Then Grey opened a door. How was he able to manifest himself to open a door? I mean... But well, they no gave- did things like that. Besides, just you know, go boo boo at people. I mean, that that was,
4: you know. The um. Well, remember the woman in two thirty-seven was also able to actually hurt Danny.
5: Oh, you're right.
1: Yeah. And I, right. and I can't
4: remember if they explain it in The Shining or if they explain it in Doctor Sleep. But I think the longer Jack and Danny are there, the Shining powers the ghosts, which so oh. they become they, they're starting to become more and more flesh. In blood, not exactly flesh and blood, but to be able to actually have an effect on the world and not just be ghostly apparitions. So, the longer they're there, the more they're able to do things like this. That's okay. I'm glad you mentioned about the, the woman because that's a good point. And she was able to touch
5: Danny and, yeah. and she ripped him. his sweater,
4: right? And yeah, yeah. she scratched and oh, ripped. Wow.
3: Yeah, good. yeah, because the mom, Wendy, thought that Jack did that to him. Yeah, yes, she did.
5: They didn't show her encountering the woman though. They just showed her running to him at the bar and oh my gosh, you know what, what happened? There's a lady here. Like, like did, did she know? I, how- I wonder.
3: I wonder if they didn't want to film a scene of a naked old lady and a young boy. Huh, maybe.
5: No, but it was about Wendy. How did, they didn't show when Wendy saw her.
3: What, what I don't think Wendy, Wendy saw her. Wendy listened to what? She just Danny said
2: what Danny said. Oh danny told me that he saw someone someone's here
4: oh okay that's what missed it then she said danny told. she me. Okay. asked jack to go check and jack did see the woman and kissed yeah. her, and then lied and said he didn't see him
3: that's right I, he did oh that was i crazy. will hand it to wendy she's one of the few parents that actually listened to her son when he said he saw somebody else and it did this to him other parents would have just thought that they're making it up and they probably hurt themselves or well, or Jack mm-hmm. did
4: it. Yeah, I would have just mm-hmm. assumed like the husband is saying he's not, but he did. <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Is everybody ready for a
4: recast?
3: Here's the mm-hmm. script. <laughs> yep.
2: Okay, it's that time again for. Bomb
5: recast. <laughs>
2: We close each episode with the recast game, where we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any era, living or dead, to portray a character in the film instead.
4: Do you like that that rhymes?
3: (laughs) Oh, dead and instead.
4: You've never noticed? (laughs) No. (laughs) I've made you guys poets. uh, Yes. And you never noticed. (laughs)
2: So, how about we go in the order where Fahad goes first?
3: Oh, okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for my recast, I decided to recast Lloyd the Bartender. (laughs) Um, And my recast is just really random. But if for some reason I was like, oh, if I was casting for this movie today, the. I don't know why, but when the way Lloyd was standing there pouring the drink and everything, it reminded me of this actor named Thomas Lennon. Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's been in a lot of different movies and TV shows. Um, For those of you that watch Friends, he is Joey's hand twin in Las Vegas. But I remember him from 17 again, and he's been in other oh, movies. Well. I
2: see that, yeah.
3: Um, but for some reason, I don't know what it was. I was just like, oh, he could be a good bartender. That would be that kind of person and talk to Jack the way that he was talking to him. And also, I went with Thomas Lennon. I
5: could see That's that. All How about takia Okay, so I chose to recast Wendy. Um, and I was kind of playing around with what I heard about her in a book as a little more as a little more stronger woman and I was thinking someone that could play her as in the, in the novel and someone and as how Shelly Duvall played her maybe kind of a mixture too. two mine's kind of random as well but I was thinking about how she, her characters she played in the past very versatile actors um, Halle Berry so I put a black woman in there <laughs> oh okay yeah. Because I, I, I was thinking of her, how emotionally fragile she was in Monster's Ball. Did anyone see that,
4: by the way? I have not. Okay, so- um, Future idea then, for a movie, maybe. Huh? Future idea on the list, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so I, and then she
5: plays some other- um, Oh. Well, was, like
3: uh, her in Gothica.
5: Got, yes. I liked so, Gothica. You know, she kind of fragile in that. And she, she, she played a, a, um, a barrage of characters of different types of, you know, strong to emotionally fragile to battered woman everything so i thought of her as Wendy who could was she's emotionally fragile as well but also can can kick ass later like yeah. like i'm not going to let this i'm not going to let my husband my, my my crazy madman husband get the best of me so i could see her like knocking his ass out and, like like boom like like getting her her like her big uh you know kicking ass basically like like, like yeah you, you know what i'm saying yeah so i, I, I see I can... her being going from weak to strong. I don't know.
4: Yeah, so. That could have made the movie very interesting. If yeah. You, if you still have the rest of the cast, including DeCaleran and you still have the scene where the butler is using the N-word.
1: Yeah. Trying, trying yeah. to
4: bring out the racist side of Jack. It yeah. would sort of be like, you know, like, his family is also, you know, like, his son, I, I assume, would be biracial in that in that scenario. Yeah. And his wife would be, well, I think, is Halle Berry biracial, actually? She is. Yeah. Okay, so, and then you've got DeCalleyn still, and it, it would certainly, it would, the movie would suddenly take on a, a whole new meaning, like that's, a whole other racial conversation happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
5: that's kind of what I was going with, the kind of story. Yeah, but,
4: yeah.
2: Alrighty, how about Eric?
4: Okay, so I'm gonna recast Lloyd the Bartender too. <laughs> I didn't really. <laughs> like, Did you all really shine, like...
2: shine? Yeah,
4: yeah, shine? yeah. We, I think we shined a little. I mean, I I remember there there was one one that. Yeah. Remember there were, like, three weeks in a row we had the same rating for a movie? It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> if only we could control it, we could rule the world. Um, <laughs> sadly, no control. <laughs> um, so, because I didn't really like the actor who played Lloyd the Barton. I mean, he, he was okay. I mean, you don't see too much of him, but I, I think I just, um, he reminded me more of an actor that I thought would have been even better in the part. And I, so I don't know if you know the character actor, Richard Jenkins. I've heard of him, know. but I'll look him up. Did any of you guys watch Six Feet Under? No, I heard of it though, on HBO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I never Um, watched. Yeah. So in in uh, in Six Feet Under, he plays the dis the ghost of the deceased dad of the 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 family. Oh, okay. I know who he is. So starting from episode one, he's already dead, but he keeps appearing to his uh to his son, and uh and so he's uh, I remember the way he played that character in that show. And there was a sort of, he seemed like a regular person, but there was a creepiness because he's dead and it's like, he shouldn't be there. And and uh, and I think that, that w- he would have brought that to the role. Um, he's also, um, it would have been, uh, he, he's worked with Jack Nicholson before uh, cause he was also in Witches of Eastwick. Uh, oh, and uh, another time because he was in the movie Wolf. Has anyone seen Wolf? So Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer are the leads in Wolf, and Richard Jenkins is also a, a side character in that. Uh, so I thought that uh, he would play that uh, sort of bartender role, like, uh, I'm here to serve you, but I'm also trying to lead you down a a dark path. If you'll just listen to me and do whatever I say. <laughs> so yeah, so that's my... I, li-
2: I see that. I like that. He was also the dad and Step
4: Brothers. Did you ever see that? No. Oh, but it seems familiar. I may have seen clips where he was... With that Matt Damon and Will Will Ferrell, Ferrell and um, I forget the other guy. We'll
2: Is it see.
4: Matt Damon? No, um, not <laughs> Matt
2: Damon. Uh, John John C. Riley.
3: Oh, yeah, I was about God. to say the guy from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, you know what I'm
4: thinking of? I'm thinking of Stuck on You.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> when they're conjoined, right? Yeah, yeah. brothers, but conjoined. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny <laughs> um all right Ruth let's see okay well I thought about someone as far as for Wendy goes someone more feisty um I thought like I don't know necessarily how much of a natural blonde she is but I was kind of like to spice things up I wonder how Shirley McLean might have done I bet she would have been really I mean she would have. I don't know I'd like to see kind of how but she would put the spin on it but <laughs> But um, I like her a lot as an actress. And I know she was definitely been, you know, big around that time. And I mean, she's still a really good actress, too. Like, still in a lot of stuff. I
4: I um I love her. She's yeah. an incredible actress. I love everything she's ever done. And I, I want to look it up to make sure. But I think that she and Jack Nicholson might have actually been age appropriate.
0: Because
4: hmm. um, they've both been working since the 60s. Yeah, she, a, she might be a little older miss Shirley McLean is 1934. Yeah. Jack Nicholson is 1937 so actually they're basically the same age.
0: that would have been cool I'd love how she puts up with Jack with all his uh, shenanigans <laughs> yeah, like a first start off even before they move to the ho- like to the um, to the hotel and stuff like that.
4: Because Shelly Duvall is actually a full 12 years younger than Jack Nicholson. Hmm.
0: Okay.
2: Well, me.
0: (laughs) Me I also
2: (laughs) um, recast Wendy. Um, I pick an actress I really liked because um, I feel like for Wendy's role, you have to have someone who's a really strong actor um I pick Toni Collette
4: mm. oh, I love her mm. yeah, me too yeah and she plays those breakdowns really well too yeah
2: that's what I was thinking mm-hmm. like that... seconds,
4: hereditary mm-hmm. yep she, she really goes perfect. there it's really, it's really wonderful
2: so does anyone have anything else to add before we hear what our next movie is from Eric right mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, but we have to rate, we have to rate, we have to rate rate our movie. (laughs) All right, pull up the chat. Mm -hmm. Um, There it is. And type your score in including quarters.
4: I ain't got no change.
3: How are we gonna shop at Aldi? <laughs>
4: I gotta get my cart. <laughs>
2: Everybody got the thumbs up.
4: Thumbs up. Uh, I don't. Uh, I'm delu. Uh, what do I? What do I feel about this movie? <laughs> I know. I
1: know. <laughs> ah!
4: Um. Okay. I'm gonna go with that and assume. Okay. Three, two, one. Hit enter. Oh! Bon- oh! Wow! Oh three Three of us tied. Wow. Me,
1: Shelley,
2: and Eric. <laughs> Alright, so um, Fahad, would you like me to read yes, them out please. to you? Alright, 4.25 3.5 4.5 4.25 5, 4. and 4.25 Wow. Wow,
3: well, this is a 4.15 Is this, What's our highest rated, I wonder? I
4: don't know. Probably this. Hmm. This has to be. Yeah. You, I really need to make that matrix so we can find out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but four four and a half is to Kia, and Ruth did a three point five. Oh, Ruth did not quite enjoy this as much as everyone else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I did like it a lot. I just I don't know why I did that. Although
4: we're all on our own rating
0: systems, right? Like yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I so, think so. But I all I, mean, I did like it a lot. I just.
3: Like a four point two five from Shelly is like a five from me and Eric. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. Like a, yeah, that's the that's highest Shelly's ever the highest done. I've right? given. Yeah. That's like a ten from Tequila. Like Shelly, I'm not sure if I've seen you go over four. I haven't gone over four. Yeah. Ruth, is this uh? What's your highest, Ruth?
4: Do you I'm remember?
0: Four maybe. I'm not Should sure.
4: You give a four to something.
0: Yeah.
4: Okay. Well, we're gonna look it up, and we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna make a Excel sheet. And <laughs> So we can see what's going on. <clears throat> Definitely <laughs> cool. This was a crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. I'm I'm ready to hear what we're gonna watch next. You ready? Ready.
4: Yeah. Okay. So, our next episode will get released the week before Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So that's a long weekend we all get, uh, where we should, you know, be observing. the the history of race relations in this country, the civil rights movement, the struggle. And to honor that, I've decided to suggest a movie that I have never seen, but uh, I've been interested in for a while now, even before we started doing this. I I had put it on my list. I was like, I I need to check that out. I wanna find out what that's about. It's a movie from uh, 1990, I think. So it's an interesting sort of time capsule about where things were then. But I imagine there's gonna be a lot that's sadly still the same. And so uh, considering what's going on, what has been going on the last few years in culture, I think we'll have a very interesting conversation to have about it. And the movie is, Do the Right Thing, A Spike Lee Joint. Hmm. Mm. Available on Netflix, but also Amazon Prime. And I think we both have those, but if you wanted to watch it on Tubi and see ads, sure. <laughs> I don't have two. So yeah, um I'm pretty excited for this. Uh it's got, you know, Danny Aiello. Um uh Joe Fahad Giancarlo Esposito. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know Mad uh, um Breaking Bad. Yeah, this has a lot of people. Yeah, we know him from Mandalorian and also Once Upon a Time, one of the best shows ever on network television. <laughs> The magic mirror. Yeah, and yes. Ruby D, John Turturro, Spike Lee. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's...
3: You say, did you already say Rosie Perez? I
4: didn't. Oh, but Oh, but yeah. oh, Rosie Perez. I love her. Martin love
5: her.
4: Lawrence? Oh, oh wow. Wow. I, love I love Martin. <laughs> Martin.
3: <laughs> and the tea is silent. <laughs> <laughs> <Martin>. <laughs> what was the name of Martin's neighbor that was Martin in drag? Sinead name. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that Jamie Fox? No, Jamie Fox was that he was in drag on In living color, right? Oh yeah yeah oh, yeah. That yeah, was his character. Uh-huh. None uh-huh.
5: of that will go will go well now.
4: <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know.
5: Various, but yeah.
4: They you have to be careful now, but I think they does, does SNL still have some of the men do drag sometimes?
3: I don't know. I have not it. it, it, it <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I
5: have been watching it since the Spartan. Yeah. And um, Mary Catherine Gallagher. That's the last time
3: I really watched it. <laughs> I'll watch it now and then, depending on who the host is. Like, I watched um, Simu Lu uh, from um, Shang-Chi. He was the host. So I watched some of his. Um, I watched a few of the ones that uh, Kieran Culkin did when he was the host a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, um, no. they were pretty
3: good, but nobody was in drag that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, as RuPaul
4: has famously said, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Oh. So we're, we're all in drag. Yeah, there you Some go. Some of it is just more acceptably uh, <laughs> stereotyped than others.
3: All right.
2: Well, it's, I Hope you guys are, are excited. Yes, I'm yeah. excited. Awesome. But I need to go to bed now, so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> the late one tonight. But is everybody good with next Thursday, the 9th? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, but before all that, Shelly should do our sign off. I
2: almost
4: just laughed. <laughs> yeah. We would just do an impression of you. We can do. I can do Shelly's voice, right? It goes like this. Is that right? Is that sound like Shelly? No. Okay. Yeah, I, you I'm picking correct. that up. I don't think that's every that's
2: time right. I see this, I declare. I just want to say, I declare. I'm more. I declare. This episode of Old <laughs> Fogies and Films concluded. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and find our lists on Letterboxd. Don't forget to leave a comment or a re- review. Let's hope 2022 is better than the previous two years. Think positive thoughts. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Bye, Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs>